Hello, hello. My name is April Malone with Yes, I Work From Home, and this is the podcast. Today, I have Joel Gallant from UK uh, near London. He's a designer and web designer, I guess. Um, actually, I would like for you to go ahead, Joe, and introduce yourself if you're up for it. Yeah, no worries. So like you say, I'm Joe. Um, I'm a designer. Um, that can be really unhelpful because that can mean a whole lot of different things. Um, so the main things that I create are websites and logos. Um, and I do that for all sorts of different organizations. Um, but a bit of a niche for me is the sort of churches and, and charities sector um, and then small businesses and startups as well. So how long have you been doing web design logos um, from home? That's a really good question. From home is my full time, uh, about five years. Um, but I was doing it one, gradually going up to two days a week um, for several years before that. Um, so although it was still quite a sudden shift to going full time from home, um, yeah, I was I was building up to it. So at this, you know, we're in 2023 now, and it's funny because like everything always feels like you know pre-pandemic versus post-pandemic yeah. versus during the pandemic. But it sounds like you already had established yourself there at home before everything went wild. So yeah. um, how did that transition work out for you? I lost my novelty. It used to be a novelty for you to say, oh, so you, you work from home and now, you know, everyone does. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was an interesting time, obviously, for everyone. Um, I think that's an understatement of the century. Um, but in a lot of senses, as much as it was difficult, my working life, uh, my wife and I, our working life didn't really change that much. Um, she works in a hospital, so she continued going in every day apart from when we were isolating. Um, and I continued to work from home. So mm -hmm. working patterns didn't change, obviously, in terms of the work that's available, in terms of, uh, to put it bluntly, trying to persuade people to spend money on my services. Um, that had its ups and downs through the through the pandemic as everyone wasn't sure what was going on for a little while there. Um, but actually, in terms of the practical day to day, not too much changed. Okay. Would you say that your business um, grew during that time or was it hard when everyone was being pinching their pennies? That's a good question. Um, it grew, but only if we're talking about looking over the sort of the long term. So not that we can necessarily even say now that we're out of COVID, you know, it's one of those things, isn't it? But mm -hmm. um, over, over that whole period, absolutely it grew, but it took time. Um, I was very fortunate that I had just uh, signed on two jobs to start when we went into lockdown. Mm -hmm. I don't think that either of those would have gone ahead if we hadn't signed them before mm -hmm. um, because they were both for small charities who took a very big hit in their fundraising. Um, so that that got me through the initial sort of shock um, the first month or two. Um, and then after that, all of the uncertainty started to take hold. And suddenly you've got this sort of double-edged thing where everyone realizes that they need an online presence or they need yeah. to improve their online presence. But no one really wants to take a risk on on investing into that at a time when there's all this uncertainty. So yeah, it it took a hit at that point um, and sort of took a little while to, to grow back up. Um, but, you know, that gave opportunities for other things that maybe I didn't have time for, not quite in the whole oh, it's lockdown, I'm going to write a book sort of way. But in terms of looking to promote myself in other ways that I hadn't done so much of before because I've been too busy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I don't normally like really dig that deep into how COVID affected every single person's business. But I figured mm. for you, what exactly like what you said, everyone is like, oh my God, I need to do different kind of marketing. My 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 online presence needs to be stronger. 
Um, I was just curious how that affected you. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, people assume that because of the online presence thing that basically that I had an amazing year. <laughs> mm. um, and yeah, that, that wasn't, wasn't the case. Um, mm. That's, that's not me being complaining or bitter at all. Um, it mm. was definitely a, a learning experience and I always try to take it as it comes anyway. Um, I think if you're running your own business and you need to have that certainty of how much your paycheck is going to be next month, you're going to have a really stressful time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it was it was a growing experience and eventually it came back around. Good. I'm glad for you that you had, you know, those couple of years ahead of time to start establishing yourself. What yeah. did you come from before that? Uh, let's go way, way back. Okay, cool. <laughs> so I was born in London. I won't get that far back. Um, I, I say, so going back to education, I hated school, right? Um, yeah. and <laughs> I, the one thing that sort of resonated me was when I was 15, 16, we do GCSEs over here. And it's the first time that you can choose what subjects you're going to take. Um, and I chose media studies as one of those things. Um, and it's like, oh, okay, cool. So I can take something that I enjoy. I really enjoy watching sort of film, TV, comedy, and I can actually do something academic-y around that. Um, so I, I stuck with that. I went to university and um, despite being a web designer now, my degree was actually in uh, video production. Um, so did that as a degree, did some freelance work on the side of that, which was a bit of an introduction into that self-employment world. Mm -hmm. um, I worked on some pretty big um, like concerts, live events, uh, conferences, exhibitions, that sort of thing, filming them. Um, and then when I graduated, took the most illogical left turn that you could think of and I went to work for a church for two years okay um yeah not many people see that coming I don't think um but that was that was a really great time because I was able to keep doing the things which I had been doing uh I was I made something like 40 videos over over the year or two that I was in that role um like promotional videos um but I was also I was working with with students I was doing some youth work um and then I was also um, brought in sort of in a creative capacity to help with the website project. Now I messed around with websites at this point, but it wasn't my area of expertise. Mm -hmm. But we were very blessed to have um, people in the church who it was their their full time job as developers or designers. And so I kind of ended up project managing it. I was very involved with the content and the strategy, and they were doing the actual building. Um, so if you sort of fast forward to I was in a marketing role after that. Um, but I'd really enjoyed the design side of things. So as I started this marketing role, it was a job that I was offered. I, I wasn't looking for a job. I think in my mind, I would, I wanted to go full-time freelance and I'm going to be a designer now. Um, and it'd be interesting to know what had happened if, if I went <laughs> down that route, um, whether, you know, I'd have been really successful, um, or whether it would have crashed and burned, who knows? Um, but I always managed to keep a day a week and then eventually two days a week on the side of that marketing role to do my own stuff. Um, so I wrote a lot of blog content over that time. Um, and I started to build up a client base um, doing mainly graphic design at that point. Um, so posters, flyers, that sort of thing, business cards, and then branding was a part that I really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And then as an extension of that, I got into web design because I was sensing there were frustrations. And, and one of the things I noticed with the church was that 
they were willing to pay money, but they didn't necessarily get what they paid for. Um, so quite often you'd end up with a really nicely designed template, which they then had to just go away and fill with content themselves. And so you'd paid for all this money for that. It wasn't finished. Sometimes it never got finished. <laughs> mm. um, and yeah, it. I think when businesses waste money, that's a shame. When charities are wasting money that people have raised, that kind of irks me even more. Mm. Um, so yeah, I that's sort of where I got to the point where we were living down on the south coast of England and um, my wife um, was finishing up her PhD and we decided we wanted to move back closer to family. Um, and I decided that I didn't want to be looking for a job. Um, so I did then take the plunge at that point. So you moved away from where you were working part-time yeah. and made it full-time at that point. I can see right. some of the overlap. Um, so I actually helped, I volunteered with the youth church for several hmm. years and um, the the guy who was in charge, the lead pastor there for the youth church was you know, heavily involved in all of the graphics design, the website and mm. the little videos that they would make. And we'd chaperone kids at camp or I guess, do we call it chaperone? We, we called them, we, yeah, we staffed the camp and yeah. they always had to have someone in that could do really good video because they would like video throughout the week and then make little, you know, recap clips at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when I realized, you know, how overlapping, you know, or just how involved some of that is, especially to be mm. relevant um with kids who are pretty media savvy at this point yeah yeah so i can sure. see their trend you know i can see that transition happening um what about the overlap from your video years into the design are there some elements that work for both yeah i think so if you if you look at um sort of putting together a um uh, a shot on the camera i think that there's elements of composition there yeah. that's there are rules that you can follow or mm. choose not to follow. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that goes into design as well. And it's that blend between a uh, discipline and an art that as a designer, I find it hard to call myself an artist. I'm certainly a creative mm -hmm. um, and I aim to be as creative and artistic as possible in my work. But the end goal of that work isn't just to create art. It is to fulfill a purpose. It's to do something. Um, and usually with a charity that is to raise money or with a business that is to get people getting in touch to, you know, inquire about your services. Um, so, yeah, there's definite crossover there. I think, again, with it just being that theme of something creative that you can enjoy doing, that doesn't mean that it's not without its stresses. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a logical progression, I think. Definitely the composition. I studied art as a minor in college, mm. um, you know, the whole rule of thirds and <laughs> whatever yeah. you're going to do with that uh, choose to follow it or not um but yeah i can see and then probably i don't know if you would have had to do much with fonts mm -hmm. um for overlays and things like that with video but i can see that you had yeah there's an element of sort of typography with that and i think that even before i was doing web stuff i was i was creating written content and putting that out there and all of the thumbnails and graphics and everything that come with that so i was starting to get an understanding of that i think a lot of it is if you're looking at technical skills how to use photoshop or illustrator you can learn that right mm -hmm. someone can teach you that you can watch tutorials what is a little bit harder to teach is just having a visual eye for what looks good 
Um, and I think that goes with filmmaking. I think it goes with artwork, with design for sure. Um, yeah, so if you've if you've got that, you're already quite a way along, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some people are born with that natural eye to to see good design and others have to like work really hard to learn it. Yeah, I guess I don't I don't know. It's maybe it's a nature nurture thing. Like I maybe if you compare it to like culture. So I like to think that I've got quite a good understanding of global culture. Limited, but relatively good because mm-hmm. I've been abroad, because mm-hmm. I've watched media from different countries. And mm-hmm. that doesn't mean I'm an expert in any one of those things, but mm-hmm. I can start to recognize what works and what doesn't. You know, when when you make a joke and it doesn't land and you go, yeah, that's because we have a completely different cultural context there. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, if I hadn't grown up watching tons and tons of American sitcoms, then I wouldn't get half of the references in, in TV that I watch now, you know? Yep. Yep. <laughs> okay. I want to talk about that move that you guys made. Um, hmm. So you had had, you've been working more or less two days a week as a freelancer in addition to your part-time uh, church gig, yep. right? Um, or job. Uh, this wasn't at the church at this time. So, oh, no? um, as I say, when when I left the church, I was um, I'll try and tell this story briefly. Um, someone from the church had been setting up a company. They'd been putting together a website for quite a while, and they gathered myself and a few other creatives together to get some feedback on the site before it launched. And so he took us through it, what it was meant to do. We went away, made some notes, and then came back in a group. And I think. <laughs> My honesty was probably what got me the job, even if I was slightly over honest and, <laughs> and shared a bit too much, <laughs> because a few people shared things from um, from the list. And then I'm going, is that all you got? Because <laughs> I've got loads more. Um, so uh, eventually, you know, we talked about it. He, he offered me the job and went to, to work there and helped to grow um, his company, um, running a, a sort of social network for investors. Um, and helping them helping them launch that and get to 30,000 members by the time that I left Um, so yeah that was what I was doing three days a week and then the other days a mix between sort of paid work and non-paid work whether that was for the church or just for myself creative stuff writing stuff that sort of thing okay so at that point had you back when you lived you said on the south coast did you have a home office at that time um we had a spare bedroom and I made sure that when uh, when we moved to our first um, our first flat as a married couple, that we got a desk that was big enough that we could both sit at it if we needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, especially as as I say, my wife was doing her PhD, so she had a couple of days a week where she was going to be at home mm-hmm. studying. Um, as it happened, that didn't tend to cross over too much, um, and I think that we're both the sorts of people who find it quite hard to work with people next to us on the mm-hmm. desk anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I, I had a nice desk. I, I've always been quite into my tech. So a couple of monitors and made it a engaging space for me to be in. Um, would I say it was a home office? I guess it was, it was a bedroom that had a desk in it, you know, <laughs> it was a contained space that you could close the door when you're done yeah. working. Um, did you end up both sharing the desk just not at the same time? Like, did you have yeah. your side and she had her side? That sounds like it would work. My husband and I are sharing his desk. Um, he's gone now three days a week. And if I'm not at the kitchen table, which is not 
actually, for some reason, that chair is just working really well for my back. But um, I borrow <laughs> his desk right now. He's got like a sit-stand mm. desk and a nicer chair than I have in yeah. here. Um, this is my desk that I've worked at for 13 years, but the chair is getting older and I just haven't replaced it. Um, but I always mess like his desk up. <laughs> yeah, I, get that. I, I move, I move like things around and I know that, that he likes to have everything in a place. And so I need to be more conscious, self-conscious, I guess. No, I'm yeah. not saying the right word. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. respecting his space and put everything back where I found I, it. I get that. I think for me, it was less that and more that if i came to work that all the stuff was just still there mm -hmm. <laughs> so i would have no choice but have to disrupt her stuff to get my stuff in place mm -hmm. um but you know it, all that meant was that sometimes the desk was slightly more messy because it would just have a pile on one side of it and again that's why i'm really glad that we got a nice wide desk that two people could fit yes, if they needed yeah. to yeah, and I never am actually trying to purposefully mess up my husband's no, sure. I just have to move well, his keyboard maybe. out of the way to make space for mine. And then um, I get called away. I'm a mom of three kids. And so I'll be yeah. like, you know, oh, oh, my gosh, something happened. And like, then I'll just leave. And like, later, I'll come back and be like, sorry, honey. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he, thankfully, he loves me. <laughs> um, you get away so, with it. So then you had a move. And at that point, you yeah. decided to go all in. So when you moved what mm. happened okay so going just a little bit back so we knew that we were going to be moving by like the summer and we planned to move in the december um so in my mind <laughs> uh i was gonna go from my two days a week and then build it up um gradually uh getting back in touch with the clients that maybe i lost touch with a little bit or those leads for projects which we talked about but never really went anywhere okay. and so by the time january came around i'd be in full swing um what actually happened is i went full time at my other job um in order to find and sort of train up a replacement and, and that sort of thing um so actually although i was still aware of it and contacting people my freelance stuff tailed off a lot more and so it felt a lot like starting from scratch mm. when on you know january the first i basically we because we didn't want to be looking for a house remotely at the same time as i mean it was a week before christmas that, that we moved so doing that from a different place at the time when the phd was coming to its climax we didn't want to be doing that so we moved in with my mum and dad and i relaunched the business as it were from the bedroom that i grew up in Mm -hmm. oh that's so fun <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know I think that living with the parents has a bad rap but especially in today's climate it's brilliant it's yeah. like if you can do it do it <laughs> if yeah. you can and it took the pressure off because the reason that we had timed it that way was because the PhD was coming to an end and therefore my wife could start a full-time role and that took the pressure off me a little bit mm. that I didn't suddenly have to find all of this income straight away had she graduated um, in December? Uh, she was coming to the end of her dissertation. Dissertation. Um, and the new role was very supportive and understanding that she took some time to do that. But she started the full time in January and I think officially graduated in like the April or, or May. May. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So then that gave you a little wiggle room as you were establishing again. So yeah. did you... I don't want to say it in a bad way, cut ties with, you know, that full-time job that you'd done up until Christmas? Um, I mean, it certainly was on on friendly terms. Um, there okay. was there was talk of, oh, if if we need anything, then 
what's what's the cost going to be um okay. that didn't happen very much um until a year or so later um maybe a bit after that um i did a little bit more consulting um okay. but more or less cut ties it, it wasn't like mm-hmm. i was contracted for a day or two a week remotely there yeah okay um, that's was, what i was, it was trying a company to ask. that was yeah no sure it was a company that was as many were not at all focused around remote working not set up for that at all um and i didn't think it ever would be and then suddenly pandemic rolls around and more or less everyone's remote you know yep but yeah all right so um what did you change when you okay how long were you when your bedroom from growing up how long were you guys there at that house okay so they agreed that we could live with them for six weeks and we moved out nine months later mm-hmm. Sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um we didn't think it was going to be realistic for us to to buy a house at all um and then circumstances changed so we were able to but that meant taking a bit of a longer um mm-hmm. process Good. so yeah I was there for for a while it was it was interesting it was it was great in the sense of so my sister has um twin girls they were one or two at the time and my mum used to babysit for them quite often so I got to see a lot more of, of my nieces Aww. um it was great in terms of nice big garden so in the summer I could just take time and, and relax there mm-hmm. um I, d- I don't really think it was particularly challenging like my parents are fairly chilled um so from the perspective of living there but also the perspective of working there um I think it was it was pretty smooth maybe the um the one challenge with it was that so we essentially had two bedrooms um we had the bedroom we slept in and then we had the bedroom I worked in which also had uh, a sofa and tv in it so we had a little bit of kind of chill space but that then was you know even if I was relaxed in the evening playing the xbox that was my working space and it was my relaxing space and it's that crossover and and so you don't have quite the same boundaries um but yeah we we dealt with it it was temporary and she was still trying to work on her dissertation as well did you bring your big desk with you no no that went into storage and um i recently got a a sit-down desk i treated myself so that's now in the shed but um no she thankfully my mum had a, a sort of office room down at the front of the house that that she could use for that as well um so yeah, there were certainly times when she was coming home from a full day at work and then we'd have dinner and she'd go in there and continue working on that. And then that allowed you to be able to actually chill in your workspace with the TV rather than having to tiptoe around her working on her dissertation. Yeah, okay. yeah, for sure, yeah. And then you bought a house. So yeah. um, you moved in knowing full well that you were going to be working from home. So how did you adjust everything for that? Yeah, I mean, firstly, we chose the house having an extra room so that I could do that um which you know raises the the future question of if we have another child what happens then um had you had a child at that point no no not at that point no um that's a much more recent addition she's one um and we've got a dog who's two I must say in terms of I know I'm jumping ahead here but (laughs) in terms of disrupting my working life and patterns the dog was a much bigger adjustment working from home than the baby was (laughs) (laughs) I can see that yeah he's a very needy little puppy um yeah so we chose the house um I knew it was my room um made sure you know on the boring technical side that we 
whilst we had the floorboards up, we put some cables in to get internet to the back of the house. Um, and I've really enjoyed it. It's, it's a massive blessing to be able to customize my space to make it comfortable for me. Um, yeah, not everyone has that. Um, like I say, when the dog came along and because he's so needy, he couldn't be left alone. I, for a period, was working downstairs at the dining room table and I hated it. <laughs> I found it so, so hard to get on with work. And I don't know if that was because I wasn't in my environment. I don't know if it was because there were distractions or the chair was uncomfortable or whatever. But I found that really stressful. Let's talk about that. So mm. um, what was it that you could control and what couldn't you control? Oh, that's a good question. I think distractions is one thing that I couldn't control there. Um, you know, even when you're having to be vaguely aware of something or someone else that, that you're keeping an eye on, you can't focus in, in quite the same way. So if I was sitting down and just had to reply to, to a few emails, no problem. If I was trying to have like a deep focus, creative session um, and get some proper creative work done, that was really hard. Mm -hmm. um, I generally don't like working with headphones in. Um, I used to have to in my office role because I couldn't cope with distractions in the office. And mm -hmm. so from that point of view, I absolutely don't miss the office at all. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, yeah, when you've got a sleeping puppy and, and music through speakers that are in your office isn't really an option. Um, and this sounds like first world problems, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, All right. But it 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 does affect you, right? So it has a direct or indirect impact on your productivity, your well-being, and you know, I hate to say it, but your income. That if you're being less productive, you're making less money. Oh yeah, absolutely. This week, um, someone in our buy nothing project, um, who which I actually learned about through our um uh, earlier episode, um. Mm. Nicole Eichinger, I, I think, um, she told me about this Buy Nothing project and I learned about it. Um, and now I'm an administrator in our group, actually. Um, I got free an extra pair of like, actually what I'm using right now, just some Apple mm. wired um, earbuds. Um, but I have one that I keep up in here for my podcasting because um, I lost my AirPods. And another pair that I keep on my computer that for a while I was sharing Um and so I have a dedicated pair for my computer that I leave downstairs and just being able to put some white noise. I like to be at the kitchen mm. table when my family's around, as long as they're like basically in the other room, like just doing their normal stuff. Yeah. Um, because I like to be part of the family if I'm working on a weekend and everyone's home. Yeah. Um, but if I can hear them talking, <laughs> I can't get anything yeah. done. So it's I put the, the coffee white shop noise thing, in. isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get distracted at coffee shops. I have to put <laughs> white noise in my ear. I like to be okay. there. But I don't want to hear if they're. I, I'm too interested. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that. I I will, despite what I said earlier, I will work with headphones in at a coffee shop. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe that's because of their choice of music. But I like mm -hmm. having the background noise. But I think you're going there for me with the mindset of I know I can't control that, but that's fine. It's not my environment. I'm not trying to control it. And also knowing. I'm not going there to have a deep focus session. I'm usually going there at the beginning of the week to get a bit of brain space to mm -hmm. organize myself for the rest of the week. Mm -hmm. And yeah, maybe to get a head start on some of the admin tasks I don't really want to do, but doing that in a nice environment 
kicks me into doing it a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Certain tasks are more suitable for certain environments, right? Yeah. yeah. I, what was it? Oh, I, I, someone came and interrupted me the other day. It was one of my kids and it was something silly. And I had just said, please don't interrupt me. And they <laughs> asked me a question that they very well could have asked their father. Um, like, <laughs> what should I eat, mom? And I'm like, you can make that choice for yourself or go ask yeah. someone else. Um, and, you know, about 25, 30 minutes later, I was like, wow, I haven't come back from that yet. And yeah. I mean, I could have removed myself and put myself in, you know, up here in this closet office or my husband's desk. I could have done that. But I wanted to be with the people. I just didn't mm -hmm. want them talking to me. Um, and I Googled it. <laughs> and it was like, how long does it take to bounce back from a distraction mm -hmm. um, when you're in a good focus vo zone? And the answer was, I think, 24 to 28 minutes is like yeah. the average. And I was like, well, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, I can believe that. I mean, even today, you know. I tend to work with my door closed, but that's because I'm quite often on on meetings or, or whatever. Um, so usually, if it's open, that's that's a signal that it's it's not a bad time to interrupt. Mm -hmm. But even then, yeah, if my wife got home with her with our little one, and I I wanted to stop and say hi, mm -hmm. but you get that sort of two way that guilt of. I want to do this, but I know that it's having an impact. And so I have to be aware that I'm making a choice there mm -hmm. because it's going to take me a while to get back into this. Mm -hmm. uh, do you build in breaks into your day? Because I, I know, you know, you're supposed to take breaks. So can yeah. you schedule <laughs> that break around when they arrive so that you are planning for it? Yeah, I think um, maybe not in quite a, a scheduled way, but listening out and when things are going on, and just checking with myself and going, actually, now's not a bad time. Um, and going downstairs for, yeah. for a bit. Um, yeah, for sure. I have been advised multiple times by my eye doctor and ergonomic mm. um, specialist to make sure that I do, like, look away yeah. from my computer, you know, for strain reasons. Um, and It's 2020 or something, isn't it? Is it? Every 20 minutes, look at something 20 meters away for 20 seconds. Yeah, there we go. Don't, don't quote me on that. Not a scientist. Uh-huh. In the U.S., <laughs> we would have to do something different. It's not quite so cool. But 20 yards would probably work, right? <laughs> yeah. um, but I'm in a small office. And so I realized that, and I still haven't ever done this. I don't I do not do this. I need to. But I'm not in here as much anymore. Um, but, like, I thought maybe if I put something interesting, like a clock even, like mm. way out on the other side of this, you know, wall, um, closer to the front of the house, that would be, give me a reason to look away, but I haven't done it. So that's one reason why I just, I've, I've heard mm. people say like they purposefully keep their water supply, which sounds like dehydration um, <laughs> <laughs> to me if you're focused. Uh, they specifically keep their water supply somewhere else and they don't mm. keep like a pot to refill so that they are remembering to get up and like go out. Yeah. To walk around. Yeah, I find um, a smartwatch generally quite helpful for that because it will give me that notification of you haven't stood up this hour yeah. um that doesn't mean i always do it um but generally it's not enough of a distraction that it's going to take me 20 minutes to get back into what i'm doing it's just a uh, maybe i'll stand up in five minutes and then five minutes goes and you don't stand up but i do it often enough that it's still helpful i need to put my smartwatch back on again i um <laughs> I'm going through that change in life where the eyes don't work the same as they used to. Yeah. Um, and my doctor prescribed me transition uh, glasses if I want them, but I don't want them. So I'm just choosing not to turn. I need to put my smart smartwatch back on and turn up the size. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a little bit. 
All right. So you do have a kiddo at home, but she's not yeah. with you when you're working. So this is interesting. Um, I've literally just changed my working days so that I don't work Mondays anymore because okay. I'm looking after her. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, my wife's just gone back to work. Um, and then even on the days when I don't have her, that changes the schedule a little bit. So if um, if she's with a family member on, on a Tuesday, um, then chances are I have to be there to get up and feed her and that sort of thing. And then they um, take care of her. Um, or just to be around. So um, on Fridays, the other day that um, that my wife works and uh, yeah, just to be around so that she can be dropped off on Childminder. And so that is something that's very new. Um, I've only done the one one week of that, basically. I take it um, maternity leave is longer where you live than it is where we live. Yeah, it, it varies depending on, on jobs and, and that sort of thing. But she ended up taking around a year. Yeah. So this is a new transition for your family. Very, yeah. So are you um expanding your working hours on the other four days of the week? Or have you just streamlined things enough that Not you don't officially. need to necessarily? <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Not officially, but inevitably it happens. Um, it's, it's difficult because there's always that flex. I don't like working evenings particularly, um, but a lot of the um, organizations I work with Charities and churches are often mainly run by volunteers. Mm-hmm. And so they have day jobs. They can't generally chat in the day. Right. Um, most of the time, that's okay. Because if you're looking at like a seven, eight o'clock meeting anyway, then adults is more or less in bed by then. But like tonight, you know, we we started recording this around seven-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt the need to warn that it might be interrupted by um, a screaming baby that doesn't want to be put down to bed. And... I don't know if that's happened yet because I've I've not heard it and and I think usually it's picked up on the microphone so we might have got away with it but she's tired enough to to not do that tonight or so it they might don't be need that to she's walk through this room who knows? yeah who no. knows okay. no so she's only in the room next door um mm-hmm. but I think with the white noise on that's enough for her to not be too disturbed by me um and apart from when she's like really screaming the house down um it's not it's not too uh disturbing for me either. Now that uh, my baby, my baby baby is seven years old, I can assure you that that part doesn't last forever. (laughs) (laughs) Eventually, you'll, um, they'll outgrow that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Joel, what do you like to talk about? What do you talk about in your podcast? Well, that's an interesting one. So uh, the podcast is a fairly new thing, something that I'd been thinking about doing for, for a really long time. Um, and that's a resource for churches to help them with communications and marketing. Um, now, I, I mentioned that I used to write a lot of blog content that was around that area. Um, but for whatever reason, I think you'll, you'll know the work involved in producing a podcast. I think that was enough to put me off. Um, but I met someone a, a couple of years ago at um, a conference that I'd been to many times in person. Um, but it was the first time I'd been online during the pandemic. And um, we sort of clicked and both had the same passion. And so we started the podcast together. Um, so it's, go- it's called Gourds and Pomegranates, which is an incredibly niche um, reference to, to a Bible passage. But it's a, a passage in the Bible which is talking about creativity and artistry and valuing the, the creativity of people and the skill of craftsmen um, as they were building a temple. Um, so, yeah, it's it's niche, but there's meaning there. 
gourds and pomegranates. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Uh, and we we don't gourds isn't a very English word. I f- I feel like that's a little bit more American. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, maybe I know that's what just because of Veggie Tales or something. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Squash. I don't know. They're kind of all yeah. the same family, right? That's um, right. Yeah. But what, it's not a word that comes up very much over here. Not that it, you know, massively comes up in day-to-day life over there, I imagine. So does this um, bridge into your business too, or is it pretty separate? I mean, there's definitely a, a big amount of crossover. So um, a lot of my clients are churches. I will talk on the podcast about best practice for websites. Um, but it's not an out-and-out promotional tool to get more business okay. um it's it's there to help people to support people um i think we probably need to be a little bit more self-promotional if anything um so um we we've fallen into doing 10 episodes in a series and then just having a, a little break um and in the last episode of the last series we just said you know let's tell me a little bit more about what you do and then and then vice versa um oh, cool. so i think we probably do need to do that a little bit more um because yeah, it's not completely separate, but it's also not not intentionally sort of streamlined in that way. Like over the top, <laughs> yeah, salesy. Yeah. Okay, yeah. especially since you're working with nonprofits and charities primarily. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, would... and you know, we're not we're working with people who might struggle to justify ten pounds a month to pay for a Canva subscription. So if I come in and say, right, so my website packages start at two thousand pounds, two thousand dollars they're going to go, okay, no, thanks. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that's, yeah, that's not the point. Um, it's trying to help people where they're at. Right. And then also just to explain the value, right. Of mm. what your service can do for them. Yeah. And yeah, sure. let me see. Do you want to go ahead and let us know a little bit more about um, your website and what kinds of things people, who are you looking to work with? Yeah, sure. So my website is bgallants.uk. Considering that I'm someone who um, often spends a lot of time coming up with logos and brands and visual identity, it I can't even say it took me a long time to come up with the name. I knew I wanted to have my surname in it somehow. Um, my dad's business is called Gallant Associates, and I wanted it to be a little bit more exciting than that. Um, but I was just stumped for ages. Um, and then actually a, a friend said, oh, how about B Gallant? It's like, Yep, you've nailed it. I've been trying for weeks to to get that. So that was five years ago now, and I I still quite like the name. So it must have done something right there. It works really well. Yeah. Um. And trying to you know reflecting on what I said about um organizations paying for something and not getting the value out of it. Mm-hmm. Trying to be the you know antidote to that, not to sound too over dramatic. So. Um, on the website, I talk about what it means to be gallant and it's it's working with integrity and, and honesty and trying to provide people with the best product for what they need or the best service for what they need, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to just what I want to design and being a bit of a diva with it. Um, it's trying to provide, yeah, value and care as well, I think. And like it, love isn't a word which is talked about a lot in business, but trying to really care and support, um, support people through the project so a lot of my um sort of business clients are people who are incredibly non-tech savvy um so the idea of them being able to edit their website is a really scary thing and it's great to be able to empower that and build that confidence um 
because as most things definitely with um sort of content editing on on website it's not rocket science you know if you watch some tutorials or as i do at the end of my projects take them through it and how to log in how to edit things um they can do that and and build their confidence that way um the clients who are most difficult like that are the ones who think that they're really tech savvy but aren't because they're not willing to listen so they'll log in and go oh i think i've broken something and go yeah you have <laughs> because you wanted to have this amount of control and you didn't listen when i explained how to use it um so yeah that's always an interesting balance of knowing sort of i can have things completely unlocked so that people can edit everything or i can lock it right down to something like they can edit just text but not mm -hmm. images or anything layouts anything like that um and trying to gauge that from a client without patronizing them <laughs> right <laughs> insulting them um, yeah. yeah but I mean I work with all sorts of people and and that's great because I think that's one thing that helps to keep me motivated is the variety of it as well um I'm so I've worked you. with I've worked with funeral directors I've worked with comedians and you know whatever you can think of something's really boring and so it's a challenge to say okay how can we make that look interesting um and some things which are really visually appealing and it's you know it's an easy job to do in that sense um but the variety is definitely an important thing for me i've been writing resumes uh with actually a former guest um on the podcast and mm. um i need to bring her back we need to do a new episode now that we've been working together for a while uh but that resume we we see the full gamut as well of you know yeah. people who are very tech savvy and those that you know don't even want to do zoom because that's overwhelming or they don't have it yeah. you know they just haven't um and so gauging people um is a skill yeah and and doing it in a respectful way but yeah i like that it's yeah variety i think is one of the things that drives me so mm. how long do your projects usually take i'm assuming some of them range from days to weeks to months yeah um so if it's sort of just giving some feedback on on something and doing a bit of an audit then that doesn't take too long but i generally say between four and eight weeks um it will depend if i'm doing um a visual identity as well so your logo your typography your colors all of those sort of things and that's brand design um then that will obviously take longer um but on the whole it's a lot more efficient to do that at the same time as a website time-wise and cost-wise okay um if it's um a website it depends on how complex it is but to be honest the reason it's such a big uh time range that i give is less down to my work and how much i have to put into that and more down to the um responsiveness of the client um so if a client comes back to me within a couple of hours then to be blunt i could probably do all of the work in like a solid week mm -hmm. um on on you know a medium website but that never happens <laughs> the back to forth back and forth back yeah. and forth is yeah okay. um yeah it's a people thing um so yeah the the projects um tend to, i tend to take two to three on at a time um occasionally i might have four or five but only if most of them are smaller things and then i'll have like a one or two bigger ones going um throughout that but i for me it gets too much <laughs> um overwhelm and i can't give the the levels of care and attention i want to to the work and to the client if right. i take on too much right. um and i think especially given that those are the reasons that i'm that i'm doing it those are the reasons i got into it to help people to help um churches um 
if I'm not doing that and I'm just trying to take more and more on just for a bigger paycheck, then something's probably gone wrong somewhere. Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier that you are on calls a lot, uh, communicating with mm. your clients. Um, what percentage would you say of your work week is communication versus just getting the work done? Um, I don't know in terms of putting a number on it, but I think there's communication with existing clients and then there's um, promotion and, and trying to get new projects. Um, and so between that, I, I mean, I I have tried to put a boundary around those one-to-ones or those like online virtual coffee meetings when you're getting to know people a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to book all of those in on a Thursday and that's my main meeting day. Um, now it helps that I have um, a regular networking group that I go to every other week and that's on a Thursday morning as well and it can just limit it a little bit more mm-hmm. um, obviously with some flexibility around it as well but again for the same reason as we said before about those focus work sessions that I find it really hard I only need to have one or two meetings set at different times of the day for me to almost mentally switch off and that the rest of that day is a write-off um, <laughs> yep <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm I, I feel affirmed that i'm that's not just me <laughs> you're not alone don't worry yeah <laughs> um so yeah try try to be disciplined with, with when i schedule them um a lot of the client uh feedback is generally done over email anyway mm-hmm. um because then you've got that that paper trail that you can sort of not in terms of arguments but in terms of going back and checking um so, you know, I've had a couple of the clients who have been really into using voice notes. And so they'll they'll send a, a voice note in WhatsApp. And it's that thing of, I've also had some amazing clients who say, I really like using voice notes. Is it okay if I, and that's like, I love that because I'd yeah. probably say I'd rather you didn't, but right. at least they've asked, you know, yeah. when, when you're sending a voice note and it's a few minutes long, I have to listen to that at your pace, not at, at mine. So I can't quickly evaluate and skim it and go, that's not a problem. I'll deal with that later. I have to listen to the whole thing. And then the chances are, as I'm listening and making that call of, do I need to actually do something about this? Which usually I do. Um, I then have to go, I probably need to write this down so I can refer back to it. Um, So it's it's that thing of, it might be quicker for you. but it takes three or four times as long for me. Mm-hmm. And if you're paying me by the hour, then that's, that's your call. <laughs> okay. um, but, but usually it's a case of, I think it's just respect and, and finding what works for the other person in that working relationship. I can see them like if they're trying to be hands-free while driving and just like yeah, doing sure. a quick something, um, I can see why they might want to do that to give you a response faster than, you know, later tomorrow um, yeah. while they're thinking about it. But yeah, it does impact. You might have to listen to it three or four times and make notes. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I usually like to try to start wrapping things up with a couple of questions and I have my go-to is, you know, it, I know that just about everyone has worked from home now lately, but not everyone mm. has actually. Um, they're still coming out of the woodwork. <laughs> yeah. Um. So if someone, my comes wife to... would be one of those people. Apart from because COVID was still a thing towards the end of the pregnancy, they made her work from home for for the last month or two, and so she she got to experience that as well. But oh, at wow, that time, really? obviously, our daughter's bedroom didn't have a baby in it at that time. Uh-huh. Um. Uh-huh. So we were able to to get a little desk in there, and and she had some space 
which again is a luxury but when she's dealing with confidentiality and and you know patient details and that sort of thing it made a lot of sense to have that mm-hmm. more private can you remind me is she in nursing uh occupational therapist okay i'm pretty sure you guys call that the same thing over there yeah ot mm-hmm. yeah uh, so if you were to talk to someone that's working from home for the very first time, mm. which, I mean, technically that might have been your wife's first time working rather than studying from home, uh, what advice do you give to people? Good question. So I think routine is a really big thing. Um, having a pattern that works for you, which can take a little bit of time to work out what works and what doesn't work for you. And because of that, process of working it out just I think relaxing with it (laughs) um I think it's very easy to put so much pressure on yourself and it doesn't matter if you're the sort of person who 901 am you're like right I'm in work mode I'm go 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 five o'clock finished or whether you're someone like myself (laughs) has a little bit more ebb and flow in in the day And I'm more focused around the tasks that I need to get done as opposed to the time that I'm working. All of that takes time. And if you put that pressure on yourself, then you're going to probably, you're going to probably think that you don't enjoy working from home when actually you may well do. (laughs) It's just an unnecessary extra pressure. Um, I never found the sort of, get dressed sort of formally dressed or put your shoes on and that sort of thing that never really did it for me there are times when especially like for a client meeting or something when it's helpful to just make a little bit of an effort not even for the client but just to get your mindset there but that doesn't make me more productive by itself you know mm-hmm. do you have something that does help you with your productivity um it might sound like a bit of a, a cliche, but again, with with the with the routine, before I start my working day, or I guess as part of the routine of starting my working day, I spend some time reading my Bible and praying. Um, and yeah, that's that's a a big part of my routine. And I think I notice the days when I don't do that because I've just gone straight into something, which is usually because I've got an earlier meeting booked or something like that. There's always a good reason. Um, but yeah, I, I feel it later. Um, I've had a few guests to mention, like, you know, even if they might not necessarily be religious, that even sure. just like, you know, practicing meditation mm. can have that same, you know, or going for a walk outside in nature. Yeah. Can have a similar effect. Um, That's something that, I mean, with the dog, obviously I have to take him for a walk, but mm-hmm. sometimes doing that early in the day is enough of a, okay, well, by the time you've had breakfast and then, oh, I need to feed him. And I need to take him out and then uh, I should probably make myself a coffee. And like before you know it, half the day is gone. Actually being able to go through my working routine and go, I'm just going to leave that for a couple of hours, have some productive time and get things done. Because I'm not a morning person. Um, But if if I delay getting started and find reasons to procrastinate and delay getting started then it turns out that I'm not really like a late morning or an early afternoon person either if I do that. <laughs> so if if I can if I can push that activity back and take him out and and use that as a as a break, 
um then then i find that that helps me and then the other thing i mean we talked about variety um but i really love the phrase productive procrastination so rather than just like twiddling your thumb your thumbs or um turning on the xbox and and playing for a bit and just properly procrastinating procrastinate by doing something else mm-hmm. um like running a business has a lot of different parts to it and if you focus too much on one of them then it is probably going to get boring um especially if you're the kind of person that likes variety so again i try not to take on too many jobs but having a few different jobs at the same time can mean that when i hit a bit of a mental block or i'm completely out of motivation for one of them i just sort of shift over to working on something else for a bit that's probably the best piece of information i got out of this one today and that's amazing <laughs> i like that so you called it productive procrastination yeah i can't claim that but i don't know who came up with it so i guess i could claim it <laughs> i like it um yeah so definitely if you're not gonna work on your work work on mm. other work <laughs> yeah i like it um any other um tools or books or resources that have been super helpful for you in your work from home journey I, I always recommend, um, there's, there's three books but, uh, by Austin Cleon, uh, the first called Steal Like an Artist. Um, and those are generally things which quite often at the end of a project, if if I want to send someone a little thank you, then it will be the first of those books. Um, they're really short, really easy to read, quite sort of witty and motivational, but just about creativity in general. Um, and yeah, specifically, there's one of them, uh, is I think it's the third one, it's called Just Keep Going. And it's about developing those practices where you you just keep plodding on and you have those days that are slower and frustrating and you're tired and you don't have the motivation. And actually, if you only get one or two things done off your to-do list that day, then that's better than none. <laughs> um, you know, give yourself permission to fail. Give yourself a little bit of breathing room. Take that pressure off again. I had um, to Google it to make sure I heard you correctly. Steal like an artist. That's right. Yeah. Nothing is completely original. All creative yeah. work builds on what came before. Ah. That's it. That's it. He's a really creative multiple. guy. Okay. And yeah, there's there's three short little books, really, really nice to sort of reflect on. Um yeah, I think beyond that, that there's no sort of one size fits all like standout resource which has said to me, This is how you work, you know. But it's just picking and choosing little bits and again realizing that that takes time and not only to find out what works for you but what works for you at different stages mm-hmm. that as we've you know talked about on this journey um working from home looks different for me now than it did a year ago before our daughter came along um two years ago before the dog came along um three or four years ago before we had the house and so realizing that your situation will change and your reaction to that will change and things that worked for you before might not work anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, yeah, not letting it get you down too much mm-hmm. because we're, we're really good at putting too much pressure on ourselves. I think. I mean, that's all true for me too. Um, four years ago, I was teaching full time in this space that I'm in mm. this closet office that I have. Mm. Um, my husband is trying to clean back the closet. <laughs> I might give him part of it. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but you know, it was working for me then because I was on camera 40 hours a week and I wasn't noticing the fact that there's no windows in here. 
Um, right now, I kind of like being in the daylight because I was working nights back then, too. Mm. Um, and so being in the, you know, sunshine and daylight affected my sleep pattern. And so now it's kind of nice to be in a brightly lit area because I'm on a regular person's sleep schedule. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, it's very, very true for me, too. And I think the, the other thing is building up, if not resources, then sort of communities around you and people that can help because it's one thing working from home for a company where you've got a team and maybe occasionally you have sort of team social activities in person, but um, there's still that regular interaction. You know, for me, um, as much as a lot of people really hate the word, networking has been really good because it's meant I've been meeting lots of people some of my work comes from there, but also it's building that community. I'm part of a um I'm part of a few networking groups, but um one that I want to give a shout out is called the Creative Collective. Um and actually it's been growing. We have people from all over the world, but it's just what they've really nailed is that friendly community that's supportive rather than competitive. So we'll meet every other week on Zoom. Um maybe once a year have like an actual meetup mm-hmm. but it's it's just for people who are in the creative sector um so that can obviously include a lot of things um, is that your thursday morning group no no that the thursday morning is like a, a local thing with with other local business owners okay. um yeah i've i've never liked the the networking groups that are too formal um there, there's some of them which are just very rigid and the same structure week in week out Usually they take place at like 6 a.m. And I'm not on board with that at all. Um, yeah, I think having something that's sort of casual and where there are people that you can do business with, it has to work from a business point of view, but people that you genuinely like. Um, and that's something which, you know, I know from working with churches, but lots of organizations put so much effort into building a community and that doesn't just happen. Um, but for whatever reason it has happened with this group um and that's really cool that something that you're doing for your business rather than just being a, a drain can actually give you energy as well yeah i so it sounds as though both of the groups that you mentioned are on every mm. other week yeah. uh schedule so not yeah, too right, often yeah. uh twice a month yeah more or less yeah. Um, and then are you part of others as well? Are there three or four of these or just the two? There's other groups that I will sort of dip into, um, uh, you know, mainly when I'm quieter with work. Um, but I think that's okay as long as some of the relationships you've made through those that you are maintaining through LinkedIn or, or whatever, that, you know, you're, you're staying in there and, and you're not forgetting about people, they're not forgetting about you. Um, but through covid i did a lot of online networking and i just had i reached the point in the sort of the january following the first lockdown where um i just had to dial it back um not necessarily because i was like i'm so busy with work that i i don't have time for this but Mm -hmm. because it was sapping my energy so much Mm -hmm. like i i love talking to people but i am by nature an introvert and so it does take my energy right um yeah. So, and the other the other group that I I am in regularly is a group that I run, very local group um, for Christian businesses in in the area, um, and like I say, building that community is is hard work. And we've got um, an event on next week, um, our first sort of proper in person event. Oh, good. And the 
the amount of work that like I'm super looking forward to it but the amount of work that we've gone into to get 25 30 people there um and and sell those tickets um yeah it's hard work but again it's a really good group of people and unlike some networking which is so rigid and formal and essentially like a lot of people are just there to sell themselves and they're not interested in anything else um this this is more than that like we will we will go a little bit deeper and have deeper conversations and and um support each other more than just how can i help your business right now are you currently taking new clients or always kind of looking for new clients um do you want to tell us where people can find you yeah sure um i'm i'm always looking for for new projects um the difficulty i find is with sort of balancing how soon you can start them um i think sometimes charities are the worst for this where they'll be they they'll be talking about it for two years and then they'll be like right we want to go and you're like okay well maybe if you told me you know a month ago then we could have scheduled something in but i'm i have other clients you know it's a difficult thing but so little lead um, time is good little lead time's always good um rather than a last minute panic because that doesn't help anyone um, but yeah, no, always, always looking for for new clients. I love helping people who are just getting started with their businesses. Um, I've I tend to avoid like package pricing because that can have bad connotations with web design of of basically just shoving a logo and some of your copied and pasted content on something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do have a starter package for people who are getting started, which includes like a, a simple logo, a one page website, and your first year's hosting, so that it can just that that's something that I put together over COVID because people were getting scared off because of the uncertainty before you even got to the point where you actually gave them a price. Like the discussions that went into specifying and being able to quote was just too much for people. So having that as a, a starting point, so that's um, 900 pounds. I don't know what that'd be in dollars, figure that out. Um, but um, yeah, having that price as a starting point of saying, this is what you get for it. If you need other stuff, cool, let's chat. But it just helped to sort of move the conversation on. Um, and I think especially when you're getting started and there's all the uncertainties around what your business is going to look like, that's ended up being a really helpful thing. $1,130 US dollars. There you go. I'll do it 1120 just for you. Ah, okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's, there's always flexibility. But I think, yeah, having having that set price has has helped things uh why don't you one more time tell us your website your the name of your podcast and the best yeah. way to reach you and then we're going to close it up yeah sure so the website is begallant.uk so b-e-g-a-l-l-a-n-t.uk um you can email me through that or joe@gallants.uk. um and yeah the podcast is gourds and pomegranates um feel free to give it a listen if it's something that might help you or pass it on to someone else it might help and before we go i do want to just let my listeners know if you are interested in sharing your story um your work from home journey uh anything interesting that you do or have done or um what working from home has allowed you to do that's extra um you want to tell your story go ahead and find me at www.yesiworkfromhome.com forward slash podcast forward slash guest and that will lead you directly to my podcast guest interest form it's a good place to start you can also email me at april at yes i work from home.com joel thank you so much appreciate your time today uh, it's been really great it's felt like therapy but in a really good way 
I kind of feel that way too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel like I learn a lot from my guests. It's almost like getting free coaching sometimes. Um, yeah, sure. Mutually beneficial, right? Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, April. All right. Well, this has been Joe Gallant with April Malone and Yes, I Work From Home, and we will see you next time.